and welcome back to My Black Mental Health with your host, Ty Dyer. I'm a second year counselor and training at Florida International University. My Black Mental Health was created to be a resource and a tool to help the Black community learn and educate themselves on mental health concepts, psychology terms, and to spread awareness. If you're new, follow me on IG at My Black Mental Health PC and on Twitter at MBMHPC. Like the Facebook page for updates, tips, and extra resources. You can check out the podcast on Apple or Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify, Radio Public, Breaker, Overcast, and Pocket Cast. I offer new episodes every other Saturday and bonus episodes on Thursday once a month. Join me today for our mental mini. Today we are talking about social distancing and quarantining and the effects that it may have on your mental health. I'll briefly be discussing some of the ways to combat those quarantine blues. I decided that I wanted this to be a three-part series titled Cabin Fever. I just wanted to have casual conversations with you guys about social distancing, self-isolation, and how these may be affecting your mental health. We don't really talk about it because this is such a weird time. This pandemic has really woken us up and shown us that some of us are productivity driven and some of us don't really know how to relax. So I just wanted to talk about that and shed some light, spread some awareness. Due to COVID-19, my house is in fact a madhouse. All of these extra bodies decided to quarantine here, so please be understanding. I want to start off this episode talking about the stay-at-home order. I live in Florida, so I just wanted to clear up some of the misconceptions that people may have. The governor of Florida, DeSantis, decided to sign the first COVID-19 stay-at-home order on March 1st, and since he has drafted and signed approximately 40 executive orders to combat the spread of COVID-19. The executive order took effect on Friday, April 3rd. At midnight and it's supposed to last until april 30th unless it gets extended and honestly i i do feel that it will get extended because may seems too close and we're still just at the peak of you know the virus so some of the things that i wanted to clear up the first myth that i wanted to discuss is people thinking that we cannot leave our houses at all according to the executive order Senior citizens and individuals with significant medical conditions may leave their homes to go to the grocery store or the pharmacy or to go on walks or to go to work for an essential service. It's just that when you are going to these essential places, you have to wear a mask. That is now a part of the stay-at-home order or just the regular executive order um, of the state of Florida and Miami-Dade. I will also link below the essential activities list and what qualifies as an essential service. It's not really a myth, but to shed some light, businesses may stay open, but it is closed for public seating and we are encouraged to do takeout and delivery. Some restaurants have been offering free delivery if you use Uber Eats or Postmates, something like that service. And we are encouraged to work remotely As you guys know, a lot of people have been working from home. And to shed some light on the business owners, you do not need a permit to remain open. 
and the governor plans to enforce these rules by using law enforcement, which is another thing that kind of scares me. I remember that we were talking about um, kind of this in my crisis intervention course where they are enforcing these rules upon us, but how are they going to make sure that they're actually being taken seriously? One of the things we were discussing is how are they going to make sure that individuals cannot get inside of, you know, essential services without a mask? Would they just send them home or would it be a little bit more forceful? I thought that it would be more forceful. It would not be something as simple as going home, depending on what the situation was. And some of my classmates thought that it could be them being fined or something of the sort. Just to clarify, according to the executive order, law enforcement is allowed to close down businesses and anyone that is somewhere that they shouldn't be on the stay-at-home order, it is um, a second-degree misdemeanor. Now if, now, if you are leaving your house for an essential service, some people have been wondering if um, we need paperwork or some kind of decal. If you're leaving your house to go to the grocery store and you happen to get stopped, you do not need any letter or any means of clarification other than stating where you're going. If you are going to work, some jobs have issued a letter or a decal. For example, my mother is a nurse and she has a little decal that says that she's a nurse and, you know, so cops don't really have to stop her they can just kind of see it another myth is that um churches synagogues and other houses of worship can still hold services well they can still hold services but they should be remote so facebook live zoom kind of meeting with that being said um in doing research, I found this article that has a Q&A with the governor basically answering these questions that you may have that can clear up your confusion on the stay-at-home order. As long as businesses are following the recommendations by the CDC, for the most part, you should be fine. And as long as you guys are practicing social distancing, you should be fine. Of course, you can leave your house, but try not to gather with friends or family that you haven't been quarantining with. And try to be aware of everybody and everything that is going on. You're not the only one you need to protect. Look out for others as well. Stay at home and stay safe. I feel like before COVID-19 was a thing, social distancing was such a foreign concept. I'm here to clear up some of that confusion. Social distancing basically is the reduction of human social interactions in the effort to prevent the spread of infectious diseases. According to the CDC, keeping space between yourself and others outside of your home is the best way to go about this to combat it. To pr practice social and physical distancing, which means staying at least six feet or two meters away from people. Don't gather in groups and stay out of crowded places and avoid mass gatherings. This isn't something new. We've been hearing this actually from the start. It just went from being don't be around 50 or more people to don't be around 10 or more people to now if you're around anyone, be six feet away, which is kind of crazy to see our new normal. When you go into stores, they place tables and stuff to create that six feet distance so you can't necessarily talk to the cashier face to face or when you go into a line, people are wary of being close to each other human interaction has become basically like a dangerous thing to do it's kind of crazy 
it's important to practice social distancing this weekend just because I know it is Easter Sunday and there are probably events going on within the churches but hopefully you guys are following the guidelines set by the CDC which means Zoom live or internet-based services and when you're celebrating celebrate with members of your home no mass gatherings whatsoever I know it seems a little hard because this is a holiday that we're used to celebrating with people. We get together, we do, you know, Easter egg hunts, we give those little baskets to our kids, we go to churches and have those churches have events, but it's really important. I wanted to move on to talking about self-isolation, what it is. Self-isolation is basically voluntarily submitting yourself to quarantine. It is to stay at home, to minimize contact with other people, including the members of your household. Why do you need to do it? Basically, if you're symptomatic, you need to consult, you know, a medical professional, obviously, to see how long you need to to self-isolate. But it's to contain the spread. If you're asymptomatic, the typical self-isolation period is about 14 days. And that's 14 days from the person that you were exposed to or however you feel that you were exposed to COVID. That's because it takes about 14 days for the symptoms to show up. If you guys are wondering, some of the symptoms of COVID are a dry cough, general fatigue, mainly a fever if it's over 101.4. Now I believe these things should be a little bit more lenient, but neither here or there. And for those of you that may be asymptomatic but feel that you have a high risk of exposure, you may also self-isolate. And when you're self-isolating, that means you stay at home. You don't go to work, you don't go to school, you don't go visit your friends, none of that. And at first, many thought that even though that you're self-isolating, that you should still be able to go to the grocery store. But now it is recommended that you have your groceries delivered or if there's another person in your household, send them to go to the grocery store. Which I would, you know, kind of urge against because if you feel that they exposed you to COVID or vice versa, you all should be self-isolating. I would like to stress that if you feel that your symptoms have gotten worse, telehealth has become a saving grace. Because it's recommended to not go to emergency rooms or urgent cares if you feel symptomatic you don't want to expose anyone else to covid telehealth has become such a great tool you can call up your doctor your pcp and express your symptoms to them they can give you their medical professional opinion and then you can go ahead if you feel that your symptoms are aligned with the covid symptoms to make an appointment here in florida to get tested you make an appointment And I believe there's one location that you can just go to, but the hours are limited. And as you may know, the lines are long, so it's probably best to make that appointment. It is no secret that social distancing and self-isolation may cause us to feel cabin fever, aka that irritability that we feel from being isolated and in confinement for a long period of time. With that irritability may come some mental health concerns that may arise during this time or shortly after things have calmed down. 
we have to think about those people that may be struggling with anxiety and depression prior to all of this happening. The individuals who are developing these current concerns due to their new normal and those who are recovering addicts that are stuck at home with little to no distraction, no access to a meeting, and trying to deal with the uncertainty and the lack of control this virus has done to some of our lives. Last month I talked about anxiety in in, um, the first episode of What's the Diagnosis? I'll be sure to link it below. And in that, I feel that quarantining may cause some of those feelings of anxiousness that I talked about in that episode because we do not have control or have an idea of when all of this is going to be over with. Many of us may start to feel restless and experience tightness in our chests and aches or be toppled over with overwhelming thoughts of the future and what our new normal may look like. These are all kind of symptoms of anxiety. They aren't what I would say can be used as an official diagnosis for anxiety. Always seek a mental health professional for that. But these symptoms over time can lead to that that diagnosis. I feel like for me personally, the best way to combat this type of anxiety is to be prepared, to be knowledgeable, but also let go of that need for normalcy and control. We need to be informed, but don't overload yourself with it and focus on those things that you can control. As for dealing with loneliness and symptoms of depression, it's a bit harder in these times. Because as I stated earlier, telehealth is an option for seeking out talk therapy or being referred to a psychiatrist that can prescribe you meds for either anxiety or antidepressants if you feel that your symptoms have worsened or that you are dealing with an actual diagnosis of depression prior to this. And of course, talk therapy and meds aren't for everyone. If that option isn't something that you want to utilize, think about yourself and think about what soothes your soul and what you can do to combat those feelings of loneliness or depression-like symptoms. Understand that it is okay to feel sad, to acknowledge and validate those feelings because this virus has taken a lot away from people, whether that is a birthday, a trip, family members, or the ability to socialize, which some of us thrive off of. It is just important to not get stuck in that state of being. What has helped me in these times is setting up virtual hangouts with friends and colleagues. I have been utilizing Zoom and FaceTime more than I have in my whole entire life. (laughs) I try to keep up with a routine that allows me to get work done, but also allows me for relaxation when needed. I really want people to get out of the mindset that we need to be doing something extremely productive in these times. I love all of the advice on how to start a business or ways to use this extra time, but honestly, not everyone handles trauma and grief that way. While many may not view this pandemic from that light, others may. In some way or form, we are all grieving a loss, which has been heavy on my mind this week. In my cross-cultural course, we were talking about this, and this morning, funny enough, I found an IG post that made me think about this idea of grieving a loss because people think of it as the loss of a person. But this quote today said basically, Maybe the feeling that we can't shake is grief, that hollow plague of 
of loss, the loss of normalcy, of certainty, of knowing what to expect and when. That grief is the morning of life that we had before change came uninvited. That quote is from Dr. Zamora Castro. She is a psych resident that I follow on IG. And the point of the quote was just that we can be experiencing these different emotions and feelings that don't quite fall under a mental health diagnosis, but are extreme enough to cause some of those symptoms. Simply put, I just recommend that people be self-aware of their emotions and their feelings in this time and journaling is a great tool to help you track and monitor these feelings that way we don't get stuck in them but we can also validate them with this month being alcohol awareness month and these feelings of anxiety and depression or even boredom grow due to covid and you know coronavirus i wanted to touch on self-medicating and the effects they may cause You know, we have these desires to turn to something when things are going wrong, but drugs and alcohol as a coping mechanism can be problematic. I've actually read plenty of articles from experts um, in the field warning against self-medicating during these stressful times because of many reasons. We aren't really structured to um, manage dealing with the situation and watching our consumption levels and being aware how much we are abusing these substances and as life goes on and things may get a little bit more normal we go back to uh, our new normal of everyday life some individuals may find it hard to stop using these substances and for those who are recovering addicts they may already be struggling in this time it's harder, like I said, to go to meetings or to keep up that same structure that is needed on a regular basis. I suggest for individuals that are recovering addicts to look into virtual meetings or to call up your sponsor when you feel an urge occur to make sure that you have a strong support system because self-medicating is typically a quick fix solution that may help with anxiety or depression in you know short term but it'll lead to further issues and instability like i said we will come back to a a normal it'll maybe a new normal but we don't want to have to unlearn unhealthy habits just as a quick recap on how to combat some of this focus on creating a structure for you whether that be a routine, whether it's loose or super strict, because you know some of us are productivity driven, focus on the things that you can control and let go of the things that you can't control. Check in on your support system and make sure you have someone that you can call if you need them. We are all handling quarantining and social distancing differently. So I wanted to reach out to a few people either in the medical field or small business employees to see how they are dealing with COVID-19 and mandated work and whatnot. The first person I interviewed is a small business employee. Let's see what he has to say. How has COVID affected your um, daily routine? 
Well, to be honest, with the streets being empty, it's actually made the commute to work a lot easier. You know, but that's like the only plus side. But then it also makes like the drive to actually get work done like less motivating. You know, because not a lot of people out on the streets, so like no one's really coming in for anything. I can understand that. What would you say that your self care looks like now? How do you get um, motivated to do work? Well, self care wise, I keep away from people now, and I wash my hands a lot more frequently than I did before. And like to get motivated to get work done now, it's like a different environment. I kind of like set my mood. So I like play music, I like have a TV show running in the background to like keep me focused on my screen. That makes sense. Would you say that you feel stress or anxiety due to the impacts of COVID? Um, yes and no. Just cause like, because like of COVID and everything, it's stressful having people call, just like make sure they're getting their stuff still shipped out to them. It's like now they're kind of trying to rush our workload just because like they don't know like where COVID is going to take everything. Mm-hmm. So in one sense, it like rushed everything. Then in another sense, because not a lot of people are actually calling in for stuff, like it slowed the workload down at the same time. So it's like less orders, but more work to do just because everyone's trying to rush it now. Is there anything that you feel that you need to adjust to after everything has settled? Being with people again, since, like, the rest of my office has been working from home and I wasn't able to, so I just got used to, like, working by myself in the office and I I would have to readjust, like, working with other people in the office and not being as comfortable as I had gotten. Hmm. Do you have any other concerns due to this virus and how life has become, or what our new normal has become? Concerns, like, for myself personally, just, like, not wanting anyone I know or, like, that I'm close to to actually catch it because, honestly, it still doesn't feel real. Um, then, like, long-term, I don't know. I feel like the economy isn't really going to bounce back from this the way it should just because, like, people are spending carelessly now just because they're home doing nothing and, like, spending money just out of boredom. I definitely see that happening, and I share some sentiments in that. It's hard. You don't have anything else to do, so you spend money, basically. And it's not that, like, we're going out to restaurants to spend money on it, you know, food and stuff like that that we're normally spending money on. Yeah, that's the thing. We're online shopping now. People are buying groceries and, like, running through their groceries faster just because they don't know what to do with themselves. Mm -hmm. Or their time. We're we're bored, so we're eating. Yeah, and then people ordering stuff online just because, like, oh, it's online and it's on sale right now, but, like... What are we going to do once? buy that, but, like, what are you going to do? Like, everyone that's not working right now that's carelessly spending just to pass the time by, then when they do go back to work, they're broke, and it's just, like... Kind of set yourself up for this? Yeah. Uh, That makes sense. 
You have anything else to add? Um, well, no, not really. Just y'all be safe out there. Don't get too close to people. Wash your hands. You know, live life to the fullest while you can. It's definitely the best advice to live life as fully as you can. If this hasn't shown us anything, it's to, you know, do what you can while you can. The last person that I'm going to interview today is a local nurse. I want to see her views on how COVID is impacting um, the medical field. Hey, how would you say that COVID has impacted your daily routine at work? Well, now we have no unessential personnel in the building, which means like pharmacy, they can't even come in the building. They have to stay outside. Once we get in every morning, they take our temperatures. We have to fill out a questionnaire every day about where we've been, if we've come in contact with any positive COVID-19 people. Then on the units, we have two different units. Each unit now remain locked at all times. The residents can't interact with each other. That means they have no extra activities. Usually they play bingo, they eat in the dining room. Right now, each resident, all the residents have to stay on their respected units. Also, once we get in twice a day, the, our resident temperatures are taken. Anything over 99.6, there's a whole protocol that we have to follow and go through. And also, no, I already said no outside visitors, which also mean no family members, no doctor's appointments, unless it's essential or, you know, something that necessarily is an emergency that they have to go out to. Patients that go to dialysis, they can still go to dialysis, but they have to wear masks when they leave the facility, when they come back. The temperature have to be taken when they come back. I mean, it's just a whole bunch of extra stuff that we have to do every day. Everyone's trying to take extra precaution now in these times. And you work with elder people, so I feel that they want to take even more precautions than other places because I've heard of um, like ER is not really going to this this extent and they're dealing with you know people coming in for being sick so I can see that this is a lot serious more serious than people are kind of taking it yeah because also you know the geriatric population they already have all these other disorders that they have to worry about all these other comorbidities and now just one infected patient at my hospital anyway, at my nursing home, it'd be a catastrophe because we do have a lot of impaired people, cognitively impaired people, and they don't know, well, stay six feet away from that person, stay six feet away from that person. No matter how we try to separate them by six feet, they're always back at each other because that's what they're used to. That's their routine every mm -hmm. day. Right now, in, we have day rooms that usually they sit in and have activities. Now only five residents could be in there at a time because there's five tables, so one resident per table. Wow, that's crazy. I know that it's serious, but just because it hasn't necessarily hit home, it's hard to understand the lengths people are doing to monitor it and contain it and make sure it doesn't, you know, spread. 
do you guys have any actual positive cases? No, we have no positive cases right now at my facility, thank God. Yeah, that's great because you don't want to take that home. Um, So how does self-care look in this time for you? I know it could be a little bit stressful dealing with, you know, the nursing homes and your residents, plus coming back and trying to make sure you're healthy yourself. Right. So usually when I leave work, I take off. I take off my shoes in a car. It goes in a trunk. It doesn't even go into my car. And then when I, I have a pair of slippers, so when I get to the hospital, get back to the home, I take off my hospital clothes. I put it in the front and I go right to the shower. Before I do anything else, before anything else happens, I go into the shower because you want to take all that stuff off. You don't want to really bring that stuff inside into your personal space. Then I'm, I usually wash my hands how many times a day anyway. But even at home now, I'm finding every minute I'm washing, washing my hands. hands. I'm washing Just my to be hands. sure. So, you know, it's a routine. So if you continue that routine when you get to work, you also have that same routine. And now that we're required to wear a mask outside... I don't know what I'm going to do. I feel like I'm suffocating, but... I, I definitely it. share that. <laughs> I hate these masks. I used to work in a hospital, and when we got sick there, we would have to wear the masks, and it's the most uncomfortable thing. And now I have, like, the cloth mask that I wore out today, and that was even more irritating than the regular mask. Yeah, we have to keep our mask on all day at work, too, now. As soon as we walk in and we get our temperatures taken before we hit the unit, Mm -hmm. everything, we have to keep those masks on. And now that we have to reuse these masks because they don't have enough, it's Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. Because I know most of them are single-use. It seems, as much as what you said so far, that they are taking safety precautions, but would you say that it's enough? I don't think it's enough at all, especially with the reusing of the masks. At our facility, we got, just FYI, we got a case of hand sanitizers in, and our medical supply lady, she left it outside her office to say, okay, well, tomorrow I'll put it up as soon as I can come in. When she came back the next day, there's no mask, there's no hand sanitizers, there's she no... she left in the box? Yes. Wow. All the hand sanitizers. Somebody stole the hand sanitizers. They're stealing the facial masks for isolation patients. They're even taking the isolation gowns. I don't know what they're going to do with that at home, but they're taking everything. That doesn't sound safe because don't you need to... It needs to be cleaned in, like, heat before, but if you bring it no, through your house... They're, they're disposable. The ones that we have, they're oh, disposable. Right. So... You, Usually it's a one-time thing, so what's the point? Yeah, so you can tell it's somebody that have probably no direct knowledge of how PPE stuff Works. are used, yeah. so maybe, I want to say housekeeping, or somebody that can get back in that area to have access to those supplies, but yeah, it's definitely crazy. What do you think will change once things do get back to like a new normal with healthcare or even like providing these services? Well, I don't know what will change, but what I want to see change is just people on a regular basis having that hand washing hygiene, knowing proper use of the PPE when they do come in the facility, knowing what they can do and what they can't do, just the common cold or just the regular flu or, or whatever, not bring it into the geriatric population on a hold because not only with COVID but with other things it spreads like wildfire in those kind of settings Mm 
So I just want people to continue with their hygiene purposes when they come into a geriatric community. Makes sense. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Just as that medical worker told us that she wants us to keep up these hygiene methods once this is over, I'd like to shed some light on what we should do in the mental health community once this is all over. We were talking about this, like I said, in my cross-cultural course, and we were saying that the mental health community needs to prepare for the mass trauma that COVID will cause. There will be an increase in the need for mental health personnel just to be able to provide talk therapy to everyone. We all are losing something or have lost something in this time, and we need to get training and understanding on how to combat, you know, substance abuse, um, children being left behind academically, resources being depleted, and most importantly, I feel that training and the emphasis on training for grief and bereavement counseling is needed. Because again, a loss has happened and a new normal needs to come from this and people need to learn how to cope and adjust to that. And it's easier when you have an unbiased party to talk about it with. Just remember that there's hope at the end of the tunnel. We just need to find when the tunnel ends. I hope you found this mental mini to be informative and helpful. Just remember that I am a guide to mental health and wellness, but not a replacement for seeking out professional help. Follow me on IG at my Black Mental Health PC and on Twitter at MBMHPC for the latest. Send me a DM or a message to let me know what you've learned and what you'd like to learn next. The more you know, the better you feel and heal. Cheers to happy healing.